You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Gino looks, going to lay it up over the top. Got a man out there. It is locking. He has got it. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and 10 at the Seattle 40. Play fake Stafford. Going to stop. Going to look. Gets hit. Goes down. Back in midfield. Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor. Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller. I love this week's podcast, John Boyle. Why do you love it, Jen? Because I feel like we've been waiting for this one for a few decades. It's a throwback special. I love it. You didn't even know that that's what we were going to do, did you? I mean... I could have guessed maybe because well, it's we throwback both, week. Yeah, we both understood the assignment, by the way, with our choice of outfit. I didn't know you had a full theme for us today. Yeah, we have a full theme. And I'm super excited about this. So uh, I was in Idaho this week. I was giving some keynote presentations. And somebody said, hey, what would your walk-up song be? And I usually default to ACDC, You Shook Me, which is actually not a great walk-up song. I came up with my song, and this goes with our theme, John. Yes. Because what I listen to most when I need a mood booster or like a good workout playlist is a lot of 90s music. Yeah. Are you ready for I, my new walk-up song? I am so ready. The suspense is killing Vanilla Ice. Oh, no. Ice Ice Baby, no. because stop, collaborate, and listen. I mean, that's what we're going to do. I want people to stop. Okay. We are going to collaborate, <laughs> and they're going to listen. <laughs> of all the 90s music, you went Vanilla Ice, huh? What? Name something that is more iconic as a one-hit wonder in the 90s. There are a few. You shouldn't strive to be a one-hit wonder that also got sued for stealing the riff of that song from someone else. Just just let's not have this go off the rails. It's more fun off the rails. I could have picked Pearl Jam, Nirvana. There's a lot of good stuff, but nothing hits quite like the opening bars of Ice Ice Baby. That he didn't write. All right, let's turn ahead but to good job, this Queen. week's game. <laughs> or no, who, that was David Bowie. And, yeah, sorry. Oh, my gosh. Okay, we're going to throw things back this week. The Seahawks, can we also give a kudos to everybody who has touched this from the uh, marketing yes. department to the PR department? It is going to be spectacular and the, on Sunday, and I'm staff, super excited. The extra yes. work there. I talked to some of those guys this week. The field getting painted. Yes. I get the amount of work behind the scenes going on to make what is going to be a really cool event, uh, it's it's pretty pretty special what all these people are doing. Do and it's you... been going on for over a year, yes. a year and a half effort. Yes, and it has been something that fans have been clamoring for. Uh, who do you think will rock the throwback look best on Sunday? Boy, I mean, the, the certain guys who take a little more pride in their style, you know, your Bobby Wagner, Jamal Adams, DK, they're so, they look so good, it's going to... I mean, it's hard to mess up. It's such a good look. I noticed you did not pick one of the big guys in the trenches. I mean, they'll all look great, but (laughs) generally speaking, you know. Well, you know what? There's a pretty good example. Uh, Walter Jones. Yeah. He He wore that uniform. And Hall of Fame style. He made it to the Hall of Fame. Um, I do like we have some like shoe crap talking going on. We have some players. what? Shoot, players are kind of talking a little bleep. Oh, we, gotcha. we don't get the dump button out already, but, you know, about who's going to have the best shoes to go through throwbacks. This is another example of how athletes are just like us. I have issues trying to match my shoes, too. Mm-hmm. They're really just 
like us. Are you like Bobby Wagner? You can call Nike and they can just send you. They every, don't every usually do that. I can call Nike. I can call Nike as much as I want. They don't seem to care all that much. <laughs> um, Frank Clark is back. Yes. Talk about a throwback for Seattle. It's perfectly timed for a couple of different reasons. And I'm going to give you credit for mentioning this first. I mean, I think Pete Carroll had wrapped up his press conference on Monday. And within seconds, you looked at me and you said, do you think they've already called Frank Clark? I mean, it just made too much sense. I mean, it, a lot of Seahawks fans, he got released by Denver, I believe it was after week two. And Seahawks fans, even back then, were like, hey, bring Frank back. And look, I get it. I mean, he did a lot of great things here and a lot of good things in Kansas City as well. But at the time, you wondered, A, is it a good fit for him? Like, is he going to want to come here? The rotation's pretty deep. Is the role going to be what he's looking for? And he's, you know, he had other suitors, so maybe there's somewhere else he felt he had a better chance to make an impact. But as soon as... Uchenna went down, which, again, really unfortunate injury. Great player and means a lot to this team. But as soon as that happened, it just made way too much sense. Jaron Reed told us yesterday he's been – I mean, ever since Jer- uh, Frank got released, Jaron's been hitting up Pete Carroll and John Schneider and Clint Hurt. But he said he really ramped up his efforts this week, and here comes Frank Clark to add a real solid veteran piece to that rotation. When he was in Seattle, he was part of a very disruptive front for the Seahawks. Here's what Pete Carroll knows he can expect from Frank. He knows exactly the position that we're asking him to play. We think the transition to, to fit in uh, to the spot, playing outside back spot and, and, and rushing in the 4-3 stuff, it just fits naturally. His experience um, is important with you know such a young group of guys that he's with now. Um, so I'm hoping that will all fit together well. You know what has me more excited about Frank Clark coming back is seeing how Jaron Reed has looked coming back. Because Jaron Reed's a guy who played really well here, went some, did some okay things other places, but maybe didn't look quite as good. And you wondered when he resigned, okay, what impact is Jaron Reed really going to have? He has been fantastic. I mean, arguably one of the you know two or three most valuable players on that defense so far. And the last time these two guys played together, they played so well together. I mean, I remember it back in 2018, the way they talked about playing off each other. They both kind of wanted to, oh, I'm getting my sacks because Frank Clark. No, I'm getting my sacks because Jaron Reed. They had 23 and a half sacks between the two of them in 2018. And I'm not saying they're going to do that again this year, but Jaron Reed's already got four. He's playing really well. I think Frank Clark, they're not going to ask him to come in here and be Uchenna but he's going to be a really nice compliment to that group of Daryl Taylor, Boye Mafe, Derek Hall's going to have to do more. And I, just, I really think they're going to help each other out. Well, and you add leadership to that position yeah. where you've got Jaron Reed, as you mentioned, and you have Bobby Wagner. I'm excited to see these three. And maybe, again, I'm not expecting the same productivity as when they all three played together previously. I am expecting their experiences with other teams in other styles of defenses, with other teammates, to all come together and to be the best version of themselves and to help out some of the younger guys. Yeah, I mean, Pete mentioned that because Jenna Nolosu is a big leader, yes. and that's a very young outside linebacker group. I mean, Daryl Taylor's kind of the more experienced guy of them now. So you add a, a guy with 30 years old, multiple Pro Bowls, played in three Super Bowls, won two of them. Like, that kind of experience is incredibly valuable to add to a young locker room. We keep talking about the impact that Frank will make on defense, which is obvious. What about the impact he makes on the offense? What about having those three guys as veterans being a leader in the locker room, not just on their side of the ball? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the real leaders on a football team, it transcends position groups, side of the ball. I mean, look, he's going to have a bigger group with those guys in the trenches and with the defense, but he's a respect enough guy. Again, you, you win two Super Bowls, people take notice. So, yeah, I mean, he's going to be, you know, whether it's with an offensive lineman. We see it all the time with 
linemen, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, cornerbacks, receivers. Like they, you know, the, the phrase the DBs love to use, each one teach one. Like you can all make each other better, and when they do that, they know it helps the team be better. So he's, he's going to help everybody around him. I would also say that while it is a different defensive coordinator, I think what they're asking him to do is perfectly in his wheelhouse. Oh, absolutely. And defense, different coordinator, but a guy who worked with him as his line coach. So, yeah, Clint Hurt's going to know how to get him up to speed right away. It's a kind of position where even if he's not going to have the entire defensive playbook in his arsenal on Sunday, they can get enough ready that he can play. So they're, they're expecting him. I mean, look, he's got to go out and practice these next couple of days and show he's ready, but they're looking for him to contribute right away. Well, and the bar is really high right now for this defense. Yeah. Three straight games of less than 250 yards allowed. And in back-to-back weeks, they have not allowed points in the second half. If you look at that three-game total, they've allowed three points in the second half yeah. combined And for that those came after games. a turnover with no yards. So really, I mean, more or less the defense has pitched a shutout for three straight second halves, as you said, two, under 250 yards, three straight games. Last time they did that was the end of the 2015 season. So, yeah, I mean, Bobby Wagner talked about this. Like, it does feel sustainable. Not that you hold every opponent to 250 yards less, but this high-level play feels really sustainable because the way they're doing it, it's, you know, all three units con- or all three, you know, DBs, linebackers, guys in the trenches all getting it done. It, it just feels like it's not some one person playing out of their mind, one position group playing out of its mind. It's everybody contributing, and they, they feel like they are just going up. You know, I asked Pete earlier this week what number he thought was most significant, and I'm thinking about those numbers we were just rattling off or the fact that over the last three weeks they've held opponents to four yards or less per play, which is another impressive number. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised that Pete went back to the run defense, especially since Arizona actually put up some pretty good yards. Now, that was about all they could do in that game on Sunday. It is not just the interior or the linebackers. It's a guy like Daryl Taylor who's making stops. Um, I thought he had a good game. I thought it was one of his better games, and, and uh, you know, we need him. You know, we need him to be a factor. You know, he, he got going. I think he had a pretty good second half to last year too. I think he, he didn't need to start a little bit slower. He, he sure is capable of making things happen. He had a nice game yesterday, knocking a ball down and the sacks and stuff. So we're we're calling on him to be part of it, a bigger how, part of it. How far has he come as like a run defender? Where, where's he at there? Well, he's 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 effective. He's, he's got to, you know he's got to find his consistency with it. Um, but he's good at it. You know, and we're, we're, he's playing in crucial situations too. So we're counting on. him. I like Pete saying we need him because obviously his role is going to increase with Uchenna and Wilson out. And to me, the biggest thing is going to be that run defense. We know Daryl Taylor can pin his ears back and fly off the edge and go get the quarterback. But when you're being asked to play early downs and you need to be disciplined, you need to set the edge. And sometimes you don't get to go chase the quarterback. That's He's gotten better at that. But Clint Hurt talked about this yesterday of like he's improving, but there's still room to grow there. He's going to have to be better in run defense for them to continue to play this well. Well, and starting this week. Yeah. Because the Browns lean on their running game. They have the second best run game. Yeah. They've been running a ton. Yeah, it is. It is definitely their bread and butter. They're averaging about 147 rushing yards a game. That is the second most in the NFL. And they've already ruled out Deshaun Watson for the week. Now, I'm not sure that that would change their reliance on that run game at all, but you know that they are going to try to go old school throwback style. See what we did there? Oh, hey. And just ground and pound. I see what you yeah. did there. Yeah, no, I'm sure they're going to really try to get after that run game, and it's it's going to take everybody up front to 
get that done. It's also interesting when you look at the numbers that they put up in the passing game or more accurately, the completion percentage for the Cleveland quarterbacks, it's just barely over 50 percent. And it would lead you to overlook P.J. Walker, who was starting this week as the backup. But that's not necessarily a good idea. Won the 49er game, uh, hung on this game uh, against Indy, and all the way to the very end to, to you know come up with enough plays to get you know, to get the win, and they scored 39 points you know in the game too. And uh, I mean those are two big wins for him. So he, he's coming in with confidence, I'm sure, and um, he's an active, mobile guy that can make things happen. So similar in style from Deshaun. Well, when Pete says active, mobile, that that kind of jumps out at me because. The run defense has been really good for the Seahawks here, but you look at the couple times the numbers have gotten away a little bit. It's been Daniel Jones. I think he might be the single leading rusher against the Seahawks this year. He had about 60 yards in that game. And then we saw Dobbs in a couple of nice runs, including that 25-yard touchdown where there's just a little breakdown keeping him contained. So, yeah, the passing numbers don't wow you with P.J. Walker, but A, you're going to respect any opponent coming in, and B, you need to make sure – He's not the one beating you on the ground. Make him earn it with those running backs. Throwback is the theme today. It is not just the case for us, but it is also the case for our fantasy insider, Scott Engel. Thanks, Jen and John. And during Seahawks throwback week here, it is only right to look back at the greatest fantasy football performance in team history achieved during the throwback era. Steve Largent remains the author of the greatest fantasy football performance in team history. On October 18, 1987, he scored 59.1 fantasy points as Largent caught 15 passes for 261 yards and three touchdowns against the Detroit Lions. Make sure you listen to the latest edition of the Seahawks Stories podcast for an exclusive interview with Steve Largent. In Week 8, Roll out the Seahawks defense. Cleveland's opponents have averaged the fourth most offensive fantasy points per game. The Seahawks have allowed just 30 points in their last three games with 18 sacks. That terrific secondary right now with Devin Witherspoon, Trey Brown, Reek Woolen, Jamal Adams, and Julian Love help keep the score down and also create turnover opportunities while the front wall continues to rack up sacks. Other positional considerations. Jared Goff, 43 touchdown passes and 20 home starts with Detroit overall. And he always plays well at Ford Field for fantasy purposes. Derek Carr is aiming for his third game in a row with 300 plus passing yards. If you have Brees Hall, of course you're not going to bench him. But I just want to tell you that you're going to get a great return. The Giants have allowed the second most rushing yards to running backs this season. If you can trade for Brees Hall before Week 8 begins, go ahead and do it. Another good week to use Gus Edwards. He led the Ravens with a career-high 144 scrimmage yards last week with a rushing touchdown and an 80-yard touchdown reception. The Cardinals ranked 28th in fantasy points per game allowed to running backs. Garrett Wilson should have a good performance with some upside in that Jets-Giants matchup. In week six before the bye, on 12 targets, he led the Jets with eight catches for a season-high 90 receiving yards. Also expect a bounce-back performance from Calvin Ridley. He has 100-plus receiving yards in two of three road games this season. Also, Romeo Dobbs of the Green Bay Packers, aiming for his third game in a row at home with five-plus catches and 70-plus receiving yards. At tight end, consider 
Raiders rookie Michael Mayer. He faces the Lions. Detroit is second in fantasy points per game allowed to tight ends. Check out my latest fantasy football column on Seahawks.com on the Fantasy Insider tab. I tell you why you have to keep your eye on Jake Bobo for the weeks ahead and also give you some good free agent pickups after your initial waiver runs have been completed. Also, check out my work at thegameday.com and my lineup ranks on rotoballer.com. Back to you, Jen and John. Thank you, Scott. I have waited up to this point to bring up the name and the matchups, but I really just, I, I'm curious to see, but I don't, I don't, I don't need to see Miles Garrett. I, I, I mean, I, I am you, impressed. But you're going to see Miles Garrett. I don't necessarily. Did you look at his numbers from last week? Yeah, did you see what he I, did I looked last at him week? Jumping over the line on a field goal. So first of all, he's been practicing that, yeah. and he was training for that in the off season. And they finally saw what they wanted to exploit in the Colts. So that was part of his stat line. He had nine tackles, two sacks, two forced fumbles, a pass defense, and a blocked field goal. Yeah, and he did most of that in one half of football. Amazingly, he was named Player of the Week. I know (laughs) it really is mind boggling to think about what he's done. Uh, But I do think this is another throwback piece. The Hawks need to run the ball because the Browns do not allow yards in the passing game. They don't allow completions by quarterbacks. I mean, they they have got things shut down in the back half of that defense. They've got things shut down all over that defense. I I was looking for one opportunity, just one. That's all I wanted. I'm just going to keep pointing back to, hey, the Colts scored 38 on them. There's, but, yeah, I mean, it's just, look, that's a really good defense. They lead the league, even after giving up 38 points last week, they lead the defense in just about everything, or the NFL in just about everything defensively. So you're going to have your work cut out for you. But, yeah, I mean, I do think anytime you're facing a tough defense, being able to run the ball, like the last thing you want to do when Miles Garrett's out there is be one-dimensional. So getting Ken Walker going, getting you know, whoever else is out there. It sounds like Zach Charbonnet has got a good shot to get back. We may even get to see Kenny McIntosh. He returned to practice this week. So it would be great for this team to, to get that consistent run game going. When you look at the numbers the Browns' defense is putting up, it really should not be a surprise on their style of play because it's something the Hawks have seen before. Oh man, they're they're really they're aggressive. It's you know it's we've been around Jim Schwartz for a long time, you know, and it's his his st- scheme and style and and the nature that he you know he, he coaches into these guys. Uh, very aggressive up front um, um, on the attack. The the focus is the front four, you know, but their backers are really aggressive as well. So there's a whole you know philosophy that you, that we recognize because we've seen Jim for you know for years. Yeah, I mean to Pete Carroll's point, he was in Philly for a long time, which Seahawks, hey, maybe fans can take some good at that. Seahawks beat the Eagles plenty of times over the years. So that but yeah, I mean he's a great coach. He's helped turn around that defense and they are, as Pete said, very aggressive. It's gonna be a tough, tough ask for this offense this week, which look, the offense has been done a lot of good things, but they haven't quite been at their best the last couple of games. This is going to be a big test to try to turn things around. Well, and it's a good thing they've got maybe confidence or maybe figured something out, particularly particularly on third downs last week. Seattle was 7 for 13, which is an improved number. The Browns have allowed the fewest third down conversions in the league. I think the number is like 22 all season. And they are really stingy in the red zone. So what did we see last week against the Cardinals? that leads you to believe they've either turned the corner or they have more answers on third down. 
to me, the thing that jumped out the most that I really liked, especially given all the injuries we've seen up front, is on a lot of these third downs they converted, Gino had a lot of time. I mean, that, that very first one was third and seven. They hit that long ball down the sideline to Bobo. There was a third and ten they converted Tyler Lockett. It, those kind of plays, you need to protect your quarterback to do that on third down because teams know you're throwing, they're getting after it. And, again, this is going to be a tough defense to do that against, but if they can protect like they did – and, you know, Stone Forsyth, if he's playing right tackle in, he looked really good over there. I think pass protection-wise, that probably gives you a little upgrade having him on that side. Charles Cross being back is obviously big. So they're going to need to protect on third down to make those plays happen. Well, and I think Cross two weeks in, right? Yeah, now you've got a third exactly. week in. I think now you're you're kind of back to what you expect from that position. I think that that makes yeah, a big Yeah, that difference. first game back is always tough for a guy who's never missed. I mean, he's never missed time like that college either. So. That was big for him to, to get that first game out of the way and then look like his old self last week. Now, here would be my plan for scoring. Just score from outside the red zone. There you go. That that would be my plan. Red zone issues don't matter if you don't that, need the red zone. That's right. It's kind of like when you're struggling on third down and you just keep converting just don't on first get and to second third down. down. Yeah. I mean, I that's kind of the plan that I'm going to drop because everybody after that game said – yeah, we've got to get better on fourth down. And maybe we were overthinking it just a little bit. And, and I thought that was interesting coming from coaches, coming from players of, yeah, you know what? Maybe we need to simplify. I, I don't know what they're going to do, but we have seen them work on this a couple of different ways. Yeah. No, I mean, you you got to be better in the red zone than they've been the last couple of weeks. And especially, you know, if Cleveland's defense is as advertised this week, you maybe don't get as many shots at it as you do in other games. So they, they got to figure out to convert. I, We'll hear from Shane Waldron later this week, but we, you know, we talked to him last week, and he said you know, plenty of that's on execution, but a lot of it's on him too of just figuring out ways to put guys in positions to succeed because, again, you you got to convert. You're not going to get a touchdown every time you get to the end zone, but you can't have first and goal at the one and not get that in. I mean, that it didn't cost him last week because the defense played so well, but some, some games that can be the difference between winning and losing. We've covered a lot today. We will get to the two things that we need to see from the Seahawks to get a win in just a second. But first, how about a word from our presenting sponsor? Statistically, the world is losing color. Just consider all-white kitchens, beige baby nurseries, a sea of gray cars. But in the hundreds of destinations Delta flies to, you can rediscover color in the bright blue waters of Hawaii, the emerald green hills of Scotland, the berry pink cherry blossoms of Tokyo, and so much more. Sometimes opening your world is all it takes to open your mind, which is why when you fly Delta, your potential takes off when you do. Delta, official airline of the Seattle Seahawks. There will be plenty of color on the field Sunday for the Seahawks. It is throwback week. I have been waiting to wear all of the throwback gear all at one time, John. All of it at once? Well, maybe like that's a little four bit Four shirts and- Yes, exactly. Stack it on. I will do outfit changes per quarter. You know what would be really great is if I would have kept my 90s outfits. It'll be like a pop star at a concert just changing over Exactly. That's exactly right. You're Taylor Swift, basically. That's never a comparison that has been (laughs) made to me before ever again. Um, John? Yes. We need two things for a Seahawks win, but I want one of them to be the band or musician that has to be on the playlist at the stadium. I mean, anyone who knows me knows I'm going to say Pearl Jam. So, Do I'm, you think that gets people hyped up enough? I'm just saying. It gets I'm some not, people hyped up. Okay. Not everybody, but Okay. I mean, you asked my opinion. I'm 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 just I'm just making sure we think this through. 
Well, I do would, you are you trying to give me say vanilla ice? No, because I'm not what? going to. No, you know what else I wrote down? <laughs> the Verve. Remember that song? Yeah, Bittersweet Symphony. No, they also sang the Freshman. Oh. No, I don't think that was Wait, Bittersweet who's, Symphony. Who's Bittersweet Symphony? It was. Is it the Verve? Oh, I'm. Wasn't there the a Verve up. pipe too? It's very. Oh, confusing. are they gonna go back? Never mind. I've got to wait and see what's <laughs> happening on Sunday. Never mind. I don't know. I'm what's getting happening. way far ahead of myself. I would say Nirvana actually. Nirvana's Nirvana a good has choice. to be. Allison Chains has some good music. Yeah. Gets people fired up. Okay, so give me one other thing you have to see since I took. I mean, you can give me two. We'll we'll do the bonus I mean, one I, is music. We talked about this earlier, but the turnover battle. Yeah. The, the Browns do a lot of things really well. The one thing they haven't done very well is take care of the football. They're minus six in turnover differential, I believe, and which is 29th in the NFL, and they have 14 giveaways, second most in the NFL. So get the ball. You know, you got a backup quarterback on the road against a good defense, steal a couple possessions, and I, th- I think that can go a long, long ways to, you know, if there's any other issues that hurt you on offense or anything else, if you, if you get those couple turnovers. Somehow last time the Seahawks played, they went minus three and one, which you don't do. It was the first time they'd done that in a decade. So let's not re- let's not repeat that and win the turnover battle this time. You know, I'm going to say get some yards after catch because I don't think there's going to be a lot of stuff open deep down the field. I do think if you take advantage of some of that shallow stuff mm-hmm. just right in the middle of the field, I think some yards after catch would be good and maybe mix that up. I will point out the Browns have won two games in a row. I know that this is it doesn't sound like a big deal. Did you realize that prior to last week they were three in thirteen in games following a win since I the did start not of twenty twenty one? Yeah. Interesting. So it is not easy for this Browns team to string together wins. Bobby Wagner was saying this week, you gotta bounce back from a win as much as you have to, as you have to bounce back from a loss. So I wanna see the same energy level. I wanna see the team come out hair on fire and um and not show any letdown against a Browns team that, yeah, is difficult, but uh, you've got some opportunities that are right there and home field advantage. Love it. Great. That's our game plan. <laughs> we'll see how well the Seahawks follow that. What they do, we'll be back with you next time on another edition of the Seahawks Insiders Podcast. <laughs>